Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, you guys, welcome to the Transform You Live show. But before we get into the show, I am absolutely livid about today's guest. Uh, today's guest is Dr. Kendall Williams. Dr. Kendall Williams is a senior vice president of operations for a large contact center based in California. He has over 30 years experience of his just in different key leadership roles for companies like AT&T and Nationwide Insurance. He specializes in building and revitalizing world-class contact centers and subscribes to the people first mentality. You know, something we need more of in this world right now. Uh, Kendall holds several postgraduate qualifications, including a PhD uh, from North Central University, an MA from the University of Phoenix, a BA uh, from National Lewis University, and a Certificate Executive Leadership uh, from Cornell University. Uh, this father of three, he's very passionate about developing authentic leadership uh, strategies and dispelling the hypocrisy that you see in the corporate culture. Uh, and this is what inspired him to write the book that you know you're going to hear more about on today's show, uh, Visions, Values, and Corporate Hypocrisy. Uh, it is available on Amazon. So we're going to talk more about that and we're going to dive into that. Don't go anywhere today. I cannot wait to connect with you guys and, and give you something that can transform your life. Stay tuned. Hey, you guys. We're going to take a quick break real quick. And if you've been enjoying my show, I know you're going to enjoy another show that I'm going to tell you about right now. This guy who's a podcast, he's a 20-year veteran of the Canadian Armed Forces. He's been in the Army for quite some time, and he is bootstrapped with knowledge. When I say that he got the stuff, he's got the stuff. Because not only is he speaking out against the pansy trend of victimhood, he's also speaking out against identity politics, modern feminism. He's also talking about the maxing and relaxing hill idol leadership of our so-called failing politics and government in the Western world. It's great that we got somebody who stands for real freedom and prosperity. We need people like that. I'm talking about the Krusty Canuck Podcast. They bring weekly episodes on Podbean and YouTube. Go and be a part of the dialogue and the humor on today's issue with the Krusty Canuck Podcast. Simply with a listen, a like, and make sure you subscribe. You gotta subscribe so you can get all of the weekly details and all of the weekly episodes. You don't want to be you know, lost in the sauce somewhere. And when you do that, leave some type of comment, leave your timestamp so that you can tell them that like, hey, the Transform You Live show sent you right on over. All right, check it out right now. We got the details right in the episode description and it's somewhere at the bottom right here too. 
So we are back to the show and we have with us Dr. Kendall Williams, uh, who is joined with us today and he is going to take us in depth into all that he has to offer uh, along with some wisdom. So Dr. Williams, uh, would you just tell us a little bit about yourself and also uh, in your own words, tell us the title of the book and maybe anything else you want to fill in there? Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Well, I am, well, first of all, my PhD is in industrial uh, organizational psychology and I have uh, my, my master's in organizational management and my, uh, my undergrad is in organizational behavior. And I think, you know, when you look at those areas of study, uh, that's what really, um, you know, highlights what I'm all about. You know, I consider myself to be a human capital guru. And so what does that mean? Uh, that means that as a leader, I have always had an interest in understanding um, how best to, 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 to realize sustained success and sustained profits. And what I've come to realize is that pro it's profits, profits come through people. Um, and that is really what I am all about. So when you ask me to tell you about myself, um, that is, uh, I think that really, uh, it really emphasizes what, uh, what I'm all about as, as a leader with uh, 30 years of experience. Um, I currently work as a senior vice president for a large call center operation here in Ventura County, um, California. And um, I've been in the contact center business for 30 years and uh, I have seen it all. So um, I have spent my career just kind of learning, um, you know, the ins and outs of, of organizations and, and how best to achieve sustained success. And what does success mean? Success doesn't mean just profits, because, again, profits come through people. Uh, the people, in my view, meaning the, uh, the, the workers, all the employees that make up the organization, um, they make up about two thirds of organizational spend. So with that thought in mind, it just makes all the sense in the world to me that uh, leaders would take the time to understand, you know, how to get inside the heads of the people that report to them, how to gain or win their trust and confidence so they can realize their personal best. And as a result, those people that you inspire will be willing to contribute more of their discretionary effort toward the meeting the company goals. Just in my book, Mark, sorry to cut you off, but no, my book you asked uh, is, uh, is uh, you know, is really centered around that, that topic and, you know, visions, values, and corporate hypocrisy, um, the, the hijacking of corporate conscience. And I'm sure we'll get into it, but the book really highlights the, the dark underbelly of organizational life uh, when it comes to leaders uh, doing what they should be doing and, and not doing what they should be doing. Yeah, and... One thing that sticks out the most uh, as you were talking, and, and it makes really sense with, uh, with all that you specialize in, is the fact that uh, many of these uh, executives don't take the time to, to, to really uh, foster that trust uh, among the, the cohorts and uh, the, the people that they work with, the people that they even uh, provide services with, too. And, you know, we mm -hmm. want to talk about that too because as you mentioned profits come through people on uh, that trust factor and 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 um and I'm, I'm wondering and maybe even the audience wondering too is you know maybe that trust factor if it, it, maybe if that's even a roll up to uh, what inspired you to write the book you know is trying to restore that trust uh in this particular field mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah, that lack of trust. Well, first of all, let's define trust to me from a leader's perspective. Mm-hmm. First of all, a leader absolutely should uh, be interested in gaining the trust and confidence of their direct reports. And it takes a certain uh, leadership style that appeals uh, to the to the worker, especially the, men, the millennial uh, generation. Millennials are not interested in being told what to do. They're not interested in being managed. So, you know, when you think about leadership, there are certain terms that uh, that, that 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 really suggest uh, superiority, like like the term boss, uh, like the term manager. Well, if you're a manager, if you have the title of a manager, what exactly are you managing? If you're managing people, that's that's a problem in and of itself, because, again, people do not want to be managed. I don't know a single adult that wants to be managed. Now, the truth of organizational life is some people need to be managed. You know, what I have always said to my direct reports is I'm going to give you carte blanche. I'm going to spell, lay out the, uh, you know, the, the guidelines and you know, that, that you should follow. But I'm going to trust, back to that word trust, that you understand the organizational goals. I am going to trust that you are going to do your level best to meet your individual goals and understanding how they rolled up at the organizational level. So a leader has to trust that his people will do uh, the right thing. And again, a leader has to trust I mean, it has to gain the trust and confidence of their direct reports. And you don't do that through a command and control methodology. So this, this disconnect, you know, and it seems like the, the hurdle is the title. Sometimes uh, people struggle with the titles uh, and especially, you know, as, as you mentioned with the millennial generation uh, population and, and, mm-hmm. Uh, seem like they would need to read this book uh, the most, uh, especially as they assume some of these roles too, because a, a lot of a lot of the baby boomers are going to be phasing out of these roles, and and mm-hmm. you know a lot of times, me people don't know how to uh, fill these roles and uh, and really do exactly what you what you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you look at the the evolution of of management practice, you know, decades ago, um, leaders pretty much led uh, by command and control, Um, you know, and they were more focused on task orientation and how best to accomplish that task at minimal cost. So it was really all about laying out the orders, you know, barking the orders down from your cozy perch and expecting people to, you know, to, to, to follow. That's autocratic leadership at its best. But over time, you know, management philosophy has changed. Back in the 30s and in the 40s, we began to move toward what's called the human relations movement. And that's where the command and control leaders were, were compelled to understand the human component in organizations. Now, here we are decades later, and we still haven't turned the corner. Companies that have turned the corner are fairly well known, and, and uh, they're, 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 they're highly lauded across the world. But still, the vast majority of organizations still adopt that command and control. Well, again, got to tell you again, the millennial generation um, has turned that philosophy up upside down, t- turned it completely on its head. So leaders are on notice, are put on notice. Companies are put on notice that you've got to change your manner of thinking. You've got to change your mental paradigm. You've got to change your approach to leading people. Okay. So I think you hinted at it, but like, who exactly is your target market for this book? Well, the target market is actually um, the entire organization. I think there's a lot, uh, a lot of nuggets in, in the book um, for those people that are impacted by ineffective autocratic leadership, the people on the so-called rank and file, 
Uh, and certainly any leader who is interested in understanding um, how best to go about leading people, not managing people, but leading people. Not being a boss, but being a leader. Being a leader takes a special understanding and special skills. Oftentimes, Mark, uh, you know, so-called leaders or managers are put in their role because they perform very well at the lower level. Okay, they were if they were responsible for, for producing, you know, ten widgets an hour, and they they produce twelve. So, Mark, you are hereby appointed as a leader. Well, oftentimes we put people in leadership roles without first determining if they have the right skill set. That's right. in my mind equivalent to promoting a person to the position of airline pilot and saying, "No, Mark." You are now hereby appointed as an airline pilot. You've got a plane to fly first thing tomorrow morning, and you're going to have 200 passengers and then go and fly that plane. Well, <laughs> maybe you don't know how to fly that plane, you know? So we've got to be a little more methodical in, in how we put, we assign people to roles that they may or may not be, you know, have the right skill set to fill. That's a little hard now, Dr. Williams, because uh, we, got, we got a lot of people who think they can get an education off of Google, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then go out and, and land a job or, or think they're entitled to a job, you know. Yeah. Uh, does, does your book speak to this? Uh, no, I don't, my book doesn't really touch on that. No, but I think you're, you're, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely uh, right. I think it's, it's incumbent upon organizations and people who are in the position to promote others, to understand that we have to take the time to grow and develop our people at every single level. So my book does touch on uh, the need for us to be a little more understanding of what the needs of our employees are. Right. You know, another way of putting it is employees are customers too. Mm -hmm. We spend a heck of a lot of time as leaders trying to understand what customers want, the external paying customer, but not enough time trying to understand what our internal customer wants, not understanding the direct relationship or correlation or interdependency of our internal customers. We satisfy them. We give them all the resources that they need. We nurture, develop them, right? We help them remove any barriers getting in their way. Well, it's almost a given that the external customer is going to receive excellent customer service when we do it the right way. Wow. And well, we're consistent that, at it. That makes a lot of more sense. You know, that, that, that tends to, that tends why we run into that problem or why we get so many of our employees thinking, well, you know, or feeling like they can do the job better than uh, their mm -hmm. superiors because, you know, the superiors are not listening to them. You know, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of what you break it down, you know, really makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and, and a lot of my mistakes in the past, uh, having uh, managed over people, you know, I, I heard heard what you're talking about um, echo through through their voices mm -hmm. uh, behind my behind my back. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. you know how long did it take you to write this book? Um, wow, that that's a that's a tough one to answer because that kind of leads me to another question, you know, or another point. You know, I started I actually started putting pen to paper, quite honestly, about four years ago. <laughs> but the problem is ideas just kind of pop into my mind left and right. And at some point that creates like information overload and it makes it really tough. And I think any, um, I don't necessarily consider myself to be a writer per se, because I have an established consistency at writing published materials. But uh, I think anyone that has written would tell you that um, 
it, it's a very um, it's it's a very uh, iterative process. Meaning you have to do it over and over again, and you're constantly changing and 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 striking out information and, and ideas as as uh, as they come and go. But once I really settled on the topic, I would say it took me about a year and a half. Okay. So it seems like this is very anecdotal uh, with uh, the information. Uh, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Is inflation taking a bite out of your grocery budget? Andrews Federal Credit Union is here to help. Introducing our Inflation Buster Share Certificate with 5% APY for seven months now through December 14th. Bring your money to Andrews Federal Credit Union today. The Inflation Buster account must be open with new money. Andrews Federal Credit Union membership is not just for the military. We also serve the community. Visit andrewsfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership eligibility required. APY equals annual percentage yield. Must have a $1,000 minimum balance to earn advertised APY. Are there any uh, particular key learnings that the readers can take away right away and, uh, and, and maybe apply or, or some things that they can ponder on? Um, you know, as, we, as, I, as I'm looking at the thinking, man, I can't help but wonder. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a great question. You know, what people are telling me so far, I've gotten, uh, you know, several, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, feedbacks on, you know, on, on the uh, Internet and from family and friends and coworkers. And one of the very first things, I think the, the really key outcome of their reading is that it caused them to be introspective, especially those in leadership roles. It caused them to reflect on some of their experiences in, you know, in, in, in corporate life as a rank and file, the so-called rank and file, or as a leader, really caused them to think back to certain instances and events in their career. And it caused leaders to really think about their own leadership style, whether or not they themselves are hypocritical. Right. How so? You know, so I mean, you know, because that that right there, that can mean many things for different people. Mm -hmm. The term hypocrisy. Yes. Well, hypocrisy comes in many different forms. Uh, for instance, the book really focuses on what companies say on paper in their culture manifestos, uh, culture manifestos being defined as the, you know, uh, codes of conduct, the values. Uh, you know, the company of company values. Many companies, for example, like to say our employees are our greatest asset. Well, it's one thing to say it. Well, first of all, the book touches on the fact that that is that it has been proven wrong uh, for reasons to go beyond this session here. But people are not assets. They're people. OK, assets, assets must be owned. They must be controlled. They, they must have a value. You can't put a value on people. So that is that is is just just fundamentally flawed thinking to even suggest that employees are our greatest assets. It's a noble proclamation, absolutely, and I think many companies mean well when they say it. But when you lift the veil and 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 you know and to and look at what's going on within the company, and you're asking yourself some questions. Well, are you staying true to what you say on paper? If people are your greatest asset, why is it that? When you have to cut costs, the first place you go is to the people. Mm. Instead of looking across the organization, you know, to identify wasteful spending, why do you cut people? If they're your most valuable asset, 
why are you so hastily sending them to the unemployment rolls? <laughs> you know, <laughs> while, while leaders are collecting big fat bonuses for meeting their ROI, right? right. And improving their margin. Right. So that's flawed thinking. That's hypocritical thinking. Yeah. Man, well, that, that really puts it in, in a huge perspective um, that like maybe I even I haven't really talked thought about, um, but just even taking that into high consideration, you can really see why many people are protesting uh, really hard um, against uh, what what you're talking about. You know, with uh, with why many CEOs um, are even deserving of the bonuses mm -hmm. and, and they're not even properly compensated uh, some of their employees mm -hmm. um, it's, it's stamping you know 15 15 dollars an hour on, on people uh, foreheads and you know not right. even considering the, the human value of a person uh, so uh, that's very yeah, very thoughtful um, uh, what, what was the most challenging part of writing this book you know because I, I, I can see you know uh, I, I can see some things that you know might have been challenging and, and maybe you know might get some pushback. Well, what, what about for you? Well, for me, Mark, and I'm not sure that every person that attempts to write would would say the same thing here, but you know, with 30 years of experience um, and all all of my studies at the PhD level and master's level and bachelor's level, I have accumulated so much clutter in my mind as I've observed ineffective leadership and, and what the effective leaders do that's so successful and what ineffective leaders do that cause disastrous consequences. So I've had all these things in my mind. It's been, so, my antenna has been raised so high for decades now that I kind of put them, store them away in my brain. And then when I began writing, all of those ideas kind of surfaced. And it, it, again, as I said earlier in this session, it really took me about a year and a half to really settle in on a, on a, on a, on a topic. But even once I, once I finalized a topic, I still had a ton of ideas. And we live in a society where, you know, the press is going, you know, the press mill is going 24 seven through yeah. social media. So new ideas of, 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 of hypocritical actions taken by leaders in churches and schools, they're surfacing almost every hour of every day. <laughs> so I found myself constantly you know, constantly iterating over and over and over again until at some point I had to put a stake in the ground and say, this is it. I don't care what else happens, you know, especially in the Trump era, when I was really, when I was doing, I was doing the writing, I said, I don't care what else happens in the external environment. I'm going to lock in on these particular points, this topic, and finalize the book. I like that. You know, uh, being that you, you know, you, you definitely have written some books before and, you know, uh, maybe... Um, you know, what, what was those books and, you know, and maybe do you intend on writing more? Well, I think the answer is probably um, yes. And I, I can't honestly say that I have a passion for writing, mm -hmm. I, but I do have a passion for improving uh, the work lives of, the, of, of all levels of the organization, including the leaders themselves. So, and I'm sure through that passion, you know, comes the desire to, to make a change. And I think one of the most effective ways to make that change is to, is to call attention to it. And I think one of the few ways that can be done is through, through books and, you know, through public speaking, et cetera. Okay. And, um, you know, just the, the mere fact that, you know, you, you coined the human capital uh, guru, uh, one would assume that, 
you know, that, uh, far aside from just the life experience that you you are pouring into the book and just the, the skills that you already acquire, what, what research are you doing uh, to to sit down and uh, start books? Uh, and and how long does it usually take you? you know, how long are you spending to research? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. I, I did, obviously I did a, a ton of research. Most PhD uh, you know, programs are heavily research-based. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the, what's in the book now is, is informed by my PhD studies and through 30 years of, um, you know, of experience. I am one, Mark, who has always had uh, a journal, always kept a journal, mm-hmm. uh, even before I became a, you know, a, a quote-unquote supervisor, which is a term that I despise, but back then I was a supervisor for AT&T earlier in my career. I was taking notes and keeping a journal, and I've got t- tons of journals here on my bookshelf that I often refer to, but uh, I'm also a member of many organizations, um, and I do research through those organizations. Um, I also write uh, white papers, um, and obviously I read a lot of uh, business books uh, too. Okay. Yeah, so and just along those lines, and just to continue you know, down this uh, path we're talking on, like uh, just your writing career uh, currently here as uh, we get closer to our time, uh, you know, so when did you realize you wanted to be a writer? You know, some fun questions here coming your way. Well, I um, yeah, never really aspired to be a writer, but so I would kind of turn that question around and say, and ask myself, well, when did I realize that I wanted to effect change within organizations? Um, I began working in my uh, family restaurant. It's called Eddie's Restaurant in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with my uncle, my mother's brother. Uh, I, was the, I was the tender age of nine. I was a slush boy. And I worked there for many, many years and worked partially through, through my, uh, my undergraduate degree. And I discovered at that point that I had a real passion for serving others. And as that began to take shape, the serving others, I began to ask myself, well, what is it that we can do uh, as leaders in organizations to better serve others? And what does serving others mean? Does it just mean serving customers or serving people that report to you? which are actually internal customers, as I said uh, uh, earlier. So I would have to say, I, I really discovered my passion for, for serving others uh, and improving organizational life many, many, many years ago. But I think it really came to a head uh, during my, um, my, uh, my PhD studies. That's when I said, I've got to write a book, which is a natural outcome of PhD studies. Uh, I did my dissertation on a similar uh, subject. And I, I knew at that point back in uh, 2016 when I was working, very aggressively on my dissertation, I knew that, that would par- I would parlay that into an actual book. You know, and, you know, so, and, and just switch gears just a little bit here, you know, uh, you know, maybe, you know, you mentioned like, you know, as at you know, age nine, you were uh, uh, doing some things, um, you know, what, what did you want to do uh, initially as a child? You know, what did you want to do? What did you want to do? Yeah, I think most, like many little boys, I wanted to be a policeman. <laughs> that didn't last long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, again, as I began, I would say I was about six or seven. I just said policemen used to walk the beat. They called it walking the beat, where the policeman would actually be on the streets in the neighborhoods yeah. and handing out candy and talking to kids. It was it's so fun. But uh, times obviously have, have changed dramatically since then. But um, I did want to be a policeman. I think it's because of that interaction with the policemen in my neighborhood. Yeah, and I realized I wanted to just go in business uh, because I, my, my, my family 
uh, is very heavily involved in business. I had uh, several family members that, that operated their own businesses quite successfully. And uh, so I would have to say that's really where my, my, uh, my passion for business was born. So, yeah, well, that, that definitely makes sense. You know, it uh, makes a lot of sense, you know, you haven't been around business all your life. Uh, you know, that, that, that's definitely something I can resonate with. And a lot of my audience, um, you know, uh, they definitely can resonate with that as well. Uh, you know, uh, so, you know, being that, you know, you're an author now and, and, and you know, you even got the, uh, the possibility of writing more books, you know, what, what advice would you give someone uh, on uh, writing their first book? I would say, number one, anyone who finds themselves thinking consistently about writing a book, do it. Don't procrastinate. Just start writing. Write ideas on paper, you know, in your, in, in your notepad, on your phone, whatever the case may be. Write them down and save them. Because at some point, that, 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 that interest is going to turn into a passion. And then you're going to, you're going to you know, just say, hey, throw down the gauntlet and say, I'm going to start writing today. And you've got that whole reservoir of information that you've collected over time. I would also um, highly, highly, uh, you know, promote self-publishing. There's a lot of advantages to self-publishing, uh, and also networking uh, is also uh, critically uh, important. Networking and marketing start early. Beautiful. You know, well, well, well said and brilliant. Uh, you know, Dr. Williams, um, we thank you so much for joining us here today. You know, uh, if we wanted to get in touch with you, I know you got a website out there. Uh, if we want to check out more of your stuff or, and definitely get the book, uh, how would we mm -hmm. go about doing that? Well, two websites. Number one is, is humancapitalguru.com, humancapital, C-A-P-I-T-A-L, guru, G-U-R-U.com. That's my author website. Um, and you can find the book, um, you know, uh, visions, values, and corporate hypocrisy on any major uh, retail outlet online. That's Barnes and Noble, uh, Amazon, and so on. Outstanding. Uh, well, we thank you, you know, for joining us here today uh, on on the podcast. Um, you're definitely free to visit us anytime. You know, it's been a absolutely joy and uh, very fruitful in sharing in the wisdom that you had to bring for us to us today and and take us through a tour and journey through, you know, your life as well. It's just a great book. Uh, we'll be sure to support your efforts and uh, this book and all that you're doing. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, uh, boys and girls out there that's uh, checking this out, uh, we do got the episode, uh, well, excuse me, in the episode description and of the playback uh, and of this recording, uh, you can find those links that uh, Dr. Williams just mentioned uh, below or to the side, however you are watching or viewing, you will find those there. Make sure you hit the click. Uh, make sure you share uh, to someone you know, someone you don't know. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, do not go away. Uh, there's some final words on the other side. Till next time. Hey, I just want to tell you guys real quickly, after talking with Dr. Kendall Williams about his brand new book, Visions, Values, and Corporate Hypocrisy, I'm very convinced that this book can help just about any executive, any uh, corporate employee uh, who's looking to just level up their game. As someone who, who was a failed leader themselves managing it over a team, I can tell you one thing that for sure you can like just hear 
the arguments that Dr. Williams make loud and clear about how leaders fail to align their actions with company values that results in just these disastrous consequences in the business, amongst the employees, and amongst the the consumers is pure hypocrisy that we see in the corporate world and this is why you know the book visions values and corporate hypocrisy is going to be one that you want to pick up and start reading more about you know dr williams has got all the right stuff for you in this book check it out it's available on amazon right now i got the link somewhere uh, and at the bottom to the left or the right or however you're listening or watching right now and leave them a review tell them how you really feel after you have read it once through Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.